Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. I'm Ryan Drury. I'll be joined by Steve Sabrin. Up first, we will chat with Steve Fitzsimmons, the general manager of the Hanover Raceway, about the end of their season. Six dates left on the race calendar and some of the great things that have been going on at the racetrack and with horse racing as a whole. After that, Clarky will jump on and we will chat about baseball, including an unfortunate and scary injury to a pitcher of the Oakland Athletics. George Springer gets hurt again. And the Jays are crumbling down the stretch here against bad teams. We'll also talk about the NHL bringing advertisements onto jerseys in a year's time and how we feel about that. We'll also chat with Jake Bolin Moss of Cool Bet on some great bets to make this weekend, including some NFL futures football around the corner. I can't wait. You're listening to and watching MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to MWO Sports, brought to you as always by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury alongside Steve Savern. Very pleased to be joined by a returning friend of the show. Great special guest from the local area. Our buddy, the general manager of the Hanover Raceway, Steve Fitzsimmons, on the line. Steve, how you doing, bud? I'm doing really well, Ryan. How are you guys doing? We're doing great, man. And I know that race fans have been having a great time being able to get back to the track, of course, with capacity limits and everything like that. But we've got six race dates left as we head into this coming weekend on your 15 uh, date race schedule for the season over at Hanover Raceway. How have things been going since we last checked in with you? They've been going pretty well. We've hosted a couple of huge events, the OLG Ontario Women's Driving Championship which really couldn't have went any better. Uh, certainly was received extraordinarily well across the province and even across the country to some degree as well and raised a lot of money for charity. And they, that was a great showcase of uh, the quality women drivers in, in Ontario. So that was great. Of course, the dream of glory, we had that recently as well. And uh, publicity seeker and Doug McNair, a, re- a returning winner in terms of the driver, uh, having won last year as well. And uh, so that was fun. And we certainly had um, our peak crowd of the year for that event. And the crowds are sort of ratcheting up a little bit at a time. I think there's definitely some hesitancy from people to to come back into to large crowds, to situations. And so it's kind of edging its way up slowly. We haven't really been near our capacity limit, which is 635. We've been kind of in the threes heading into the fours now for a number of people here. And, uh, you know, I think there's just people are slowly but surely getting back into it, realizing it's safe and there's so much room to uh, to socially distance and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, it's definitely been mostly positive. And I think certainly the uh, the drivers have been excited to see the fans back. And and I know we've been very excited to see them back and they've enjoyed the product so far. Well, I know, Steve, um, crowds are great to have at live events, no doubt about it. But I think the one thing that um, you guys did which I'm sure is helping out is keeping the online betting alive for those people that are are staying at home. Correct. Absolutely. It literally was the only way we could do things for most of last year. So, um, you know, we had uh, done some work to our building a broadcast studio and, and certainly uh, getting all the streaming platforms we could possibly get um, to, to have our product available to, to people and, um, and to, to be able to bet that way. And, you know, it was an education process for sure for um, getting people sort of acclimated to, to doing business that way and to interacting with us that way. 
but uh, it's it's made a huge difference. And certainly our wagering numbers have been very strong compared to the past. And last year, we had a phenomenal year, our best year in 29. This year, slightly behind that, but really strong. But we have to remember too, last year, for a good part of our year, we had no competition in terms of other sports. So there was no baseball, there was no hockey, there was no other events to do anything and compete against. So you know, uh, it's not a shock to see, you know, a little bit of regression there, but we've been largely able to help hold most of that audience and most of those numbers. And so we've been very happy with things. Fitzy, I know that uh, things there have been uh, going off really well. Like you said, I mean, I happen to be in attendance for the first ever Ontario Women's Driving Championship on the 17th at Hanover Raceway. Of course, Natasha Day uh, won the first ever championship and uh, you guys raised a good chunk of change as well for cervical cancer. Uh, it was a great day, great event, perfect weather and everything went off at the racetrack seamlessly. So if you are listening to or watching this and thinking about getting back down to the track, go check it out. It was awesome. Great time down there at Hanover Raceway. Uh, like we said, though, you've got six race dates left and I mean, Things aren't slowing down at all over the next couple weekends. You've got some really big things happening at the track as well. Walk us through the next couple Saturdays because there's a lot going on. Yeah, the next three are extraordinarily busy. So this weekend we have the uh, Balanced Image Eliminations, which is one of our top stake races for two-year-old trotters. So we have a couple of divisions of those. Um, the top four in each division will punch their ticket to the final next weekend, which will be for uh, in excess of $43,000. And so that's uh, our second biggest stake race of the year. And uh, we also have the, uh, the Walker Memorial Trot next weekend on the 28th. And we've hosted that since 1974 to honor uh, the Walker family, Alan Viola Walker, who were the, the patriarch and matriarch of the famed Walker family from the Own Sound area who have raced at Hanover Raceway for as long as we've existed and uh, continue with their sons and daughters and granddaughters and even and grandsons and even great-granddaughters and grandsons now uh, carrying on the family tradition. So so that's always a popular thing to, to have the walkers uh, in attendance and uh, to honor that family who's done, done so much for horse racing. And uh, Harness the Hope will be here next weekend as well, um, a charity that raises money for breast cancer, a harness racing charity from the, uh, the London area that does so much good throughout Southwestern Ontario. So uh, we will, they will be in attendance. And uh, if you purchase a t-shirt from them next weekend, we'll give you a Hanover Raceway t-shirt as well for nothing as part of our uh, support of fundraising for them. So uh, two for one t-shirts uh, next weekend for Harness the Hope should be fun. You know, a lot of good things happen at the track, um, especially in Hanover, Steve. Can you give us a little bit of an insight of harness racing across the province and um, how it's slowly rebuilding after the pandemic settled in. Yeah, so I think it. I think it depends on the region that you're in as to uh, how quickly and how uh, how how much back to normal you're getting. So you know, obviously in the Gray Bruce region, um, we've had more COVID cases than a lot of other ones in the lately, and so that's been a little different for us. We've been a little more cautious than certainly in some regions. But you know what? I think um, in some places. Um, they've been getting crowds of, you know, a thousand people type thing. I know Grand River Raceway and Alora for their industry day had so somewhere over a thousand people for their, for their big event. Um, the Battle of Waterloo, it's called, which is a $250,000 race there. And certainly Clinton has done very well, attracting a lot of fans in their area as well. And, uh, you know, the, the likes of, you know, Dresden, Leamington, 
uh, Kawartha Downs in Peterborough, and uh, some of the others. Mohawk certainly um, have done well in in uh, getting fans back, and uh, you know. But I think it's it's kind of a cautious approach. I was at Mohawk on Friday of last week, and you know they didn't really have many more fans than we did for a track, you know, that bets you know twenty five times as much as we do, and uh, so so they're just cautiously getting back into things in Campbellville in the Halton region. And, uh, you know, we're all doing what we have to, to keep everybody safe and to feel, um, that they can come to the track and, and have a positive experience. So, um, you know, it's, it's kind of baby steps at times. It feels like we want to get moving things quicker, Steve, but it's, you got to do, um, what's best for everyone. And, and we're doing that. And, uh, you know, sure. We'd love to have, um, a full track and, and all the fans back that want to, but there definitely is a hesitation to that, I think. And certainly from the older demographic, we have a lot of older folks who are regular Saturday patrons that uh, we just haven't seen back to date so far. And I think they're just waiting to the, for this whole um, pandemic to be completely over where they don't have to wear a mask they can just walk in the place. They don't have to register um, more or less business as usual, but I don't know when that's going to be. I hope it's sooner than later, but uh, for now we're doing what we have to do. Just to follow you certainly up. are. Uh, what, go ahead. Yeah, just to follow up on that, what's the feeling amongst the owners, trainers, drivers? Um, it, we see a lot of familiar names on the race sheets at different tracks uh, and some well-run races for sure, some track records uh, being tied as well uh, over the last couple of weekends. But what's the feeling among, amongst the industry um, in, in the harness racing world amongst the owners, trainers, and drivers? I don't want to speak for them, but I'd say generally speaking, uh, you know, they're feeling positive about the direction things are heading. You know, we're, we're getting a little bit bigger crowds as week out, week in, week out. And, you know, it's kind of a gradual thing, but um, don't forget uh, last year, for the most part, there was no one here at the racetracks. And then in our case, we had a hundred people per week for the last seven weeks of our season last year. This year, we've been probably getting around 350, 400 most weeks so we're getting you know we're heading in the right direction so there's just a different atmosphere to the to being at the racetrack and you can certainly see the the drivers are thrilled to have uh fans interacting with them as they drive by and and uh the same for the trainers who you know know a lot of the fans and uh you know it's it's just part of the uh, the coming to the racetrack is you know that nice interactions with with fans so uh, they're such a big part of our industry so it was uh disappointing to how things had to work last year um it created you know a lot of quiet at the racetrack actually like so you know to see things like the women's driving championship where there was huge uh cheers and and for the dream of glory as well and um it just felt like we were getting much more closer to normal so i think they they feel we're heading in the right direction and uh you know hopefully sooner than later we get there I certainly think so as well. We're chatting with the general manager of the Hanover Raceway, Steve Fitzsimmons. And Fitzy, like you said, I mean, it's been a long road. We're not near the end of it yet in terms of the pandemic, but things have definitely improved. Uh, like I said earlier, it was great to be there for the Women's Driving Championship. You're right. The crowd was great. I mean, the, the industry seems to definitely be getting itself back on its feet. The Queen's Plate's right around the corner as we record this. Uh, like I've said a couple times, six race dates left as we record this how early do you start planning next year have you already started planning like when does the process for next year when hopefully we are at full scale capacity when does that planning begin 
the the short answer is it began a year and a half ago because right. we, had some, we had some plans that we weren't able to do last year or this year that so of some event things that we really had in mind that we thought were really cool for fans and and require some fan interaction and to make them really special. So you know, I, like I was literally just talking to to Bob McClure, one of the top drivers in the country today, and there's something we want to do with Bob that. Uh, you know, we had wanted to do last year, this year, and unfortunately it's going to be next year at this point based on, you know, being able to interact with Bob and, and what we want to do uh, with Bob. So, um, so there's, you know, three or four uh, great promotional ideas that we have that are kind of on the, the drawing board that we hope to, to have next year. And uh, so it's kind of ongoing really, Ryan. Um, you know, we, we've been thinking about lots of different things and we've been making plans already for next year to, to add to our schedule and enhance it. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about uh, year two for the Ontario Women's Driving Championship, what that's going to look like and are there going to be some additional tracks join in and that kind of thing. So, so it's kind of ongoing and, uh, you know, we'll get to doing uh, serious planning for that as we get into late fall and, and early winter. But uh, it's, it's really an ongoing thing uh, all the time, it seems. Well, I certainly can't wait until things are a little more back to normal. Uh, Steve, go ahead. Uh, just, you know, it's interesting, Steve, because when you look at what's happened and, you know, there's been a lot of things, a lot of people that have struggled through this time. And, uh, you know, the passion for harness racing, not only in Gray Bruce, but in other parts of the province has really shone through. It hasn't been an easy five years for this industry between what happened with uh, some of the money supporting the industry, and uh, and then of course the pandemic. Um, you know, how would you describe that passion to a person who hasn't seen a race yet? Well, it's it, it's really something to uh, to see these incredible animals um, and what they're capable of doing. Uh, they're world class athletes, and we're blessed to be able to see them and have them here to watch on a weekly basis. And yes, you know, there's wagering that goes into that, that, uh, that makes that industry go, but, and, and the drivers that uh, are so talented to, to, to drive those horses and steer them and, and put them in position to, to be able to win and, and compete. And um, it, it's really something, but yeah, I mean, a lot of, a lot of the participants in the industry certainly were uh, came by it from a family connection. Like my dad had horses when, when I was 10 years old and had a, a horse farm north of Arthur with a half mile racetrack. And we raced a couple of horses on weekends. My dad worked full-time at another job and did this as his weekend uh, fun, if you will. And um, we had a couple of horses usually, and we raced, you know, at Hanover, we raced at Clinton, we raced at Orangeville and Elmira at that time, which is now Grand River Raceway, you know, and, you know, we just had sort of cheaper horses, but it was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, it, there's such a camaraderie in the industry. Um, I think, it's different than a lot of industries where, you know, I find people pull for each other and are happy for each other. And, you know, they want their own horse to win, but they're happy for other people. And you just don't see that as much in, in other industries where you're downright upset about somebody else winning. Um, so there's a real, it's, it's, it's a special industry. And they're the first people, if you have a charity event, 
that are going to pull money out of their pockets and, and, and support your event as well. And so I have nothing but great things to say about, about the horse people in Ontario. And as you said, Steve, you know, back in 2013, they suffered a significant blow where the slots for racetrack program went down in flames. And in our case, it resulted in us getting purse money for about 25% of what we norm we previously had. Our race dates were cut in half. We have 15. We used to have 32 at one time. And the purse money dropped in half for those race dates that we were able to retain. So it drove a lot of people out of our industry that financially just couldn't stay in it for, you know, 25% of what was left. And, you know, the Sire Stakes have certainly brought some of that money back to some degree. But it's hard. Like, there's just people that, you 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 know, you either have a really big stable or maybe a course or two. There's not a lot of the in-between these days. Um, in the industry that we used to see um, a fair few of members of the industry that that were kind of in that middle category. I don't think there's a lot of them these days. Well, Fitzy, you're right. Like you said, I mean, the passion in the industry runs deep. I certainly experienced it when I came down this year. I hope other people start to come down as well to end things off. And and you're right. The industry has started to kind of bounce back a little bit. You rattled off a number of the tracks around the local area here. Uh, Hanover is one of the jewels in our Midwestern Ontario area. I hope more people are able to come down. Like I said, everybody, six race dates left at Hanover Raceway this year. You can pre-register to attend a race at HanoverRaceway.com and fill out a form. They'll take you all through it. Or you can show up at the gate on race day and go through the COVID pre-screening. Like Fitzy said, uh, they're a little over 600, 635, I believe, uh, for capacity. So head on down to the racetrack. You might just see something amazing. Uh, I was certainly taken aback by the great horse racing and and the noise, the sound. There's nothing quite like it. Uh, So make your way down to Hanover Raceway. Six more Saturdays left on the schedule. Steve Fitzsimmons, the general manager, Manager of Hanover Raceway. Buddy, we always appreciate this. We're glad things are starting to pick up there and hopefully it continues right through to the end, my friend. Yeah, certainly looking forward to it and looking forward to the day that we'll be able to get people up close to the horses and the people involved in our industry again as well. It's a huge part of the lifeblood of this industry, uh, letting fans interact with those with the horses and the people. And we look forward to that day again soon, I hope. Absolutely. Me too, my friend. Me too. All right. We'll take a quick break here on MWO Sports. When we come back, Clarkie will jump on and there's a number of big stories to talk about in the sports world, as there always are, including two massive injuries in the American League that could really influence the playoff races, including a very scary injury involving a player on my beloved Oakland Athletics, Chris Bastet. We'll also talk about George Springer, of course. We'll also talk about the NHL. Jersey ads, they are coming. Fans are upset about it. We'll talk about that. And hey, the NFL, it's right around the corner. Lots to talk about here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury alongside Steve Sabrin. Still, Clarky joining us now. Clarky, how you feeling, brother? I'm good, boys. How are you? We're doing well, man. Thanks uh, for uh, waiting for me tonight. I was, you know, trying to make a living here, selling at Larry Hudson's. If anyone's looking, you know, come visit me. It's all yeah, good. Absolutely. I well, maybe uh, maybe the Blue Jays could use uh, a stable vehicle, something stable in their lives. What a difference a week but- a week makes, eh? Like last week, we're talking to Rob Longley. Everything looks good. And they go in the toilet. And it's not good. 
It's uh, it's been pretty tough the last few days for the Blue Jays before we dig into some of their issues, which are issues we're all aware of the bullpen really right uh do want to just quickly touch on a scary situation from tuesday night uh white Sox athletics uh athletics ace chris bassett took a 100 mile per hour comebacker uh just under his right eye uh, i was really scary um luckily Seabass is going to be okay um and uh, he is going to have to have surgery uh, scheduled for next week for a fractured tripod uh, facial fracture, they call it, just under his eye. His eye is is fine. His vision is not affected. Uh, thank God for that. Um, and just uh, I'm just thankful, obviously, as an ace fan, but just a sports fan that, that he's OK, because that was a really, really scary situation, guys. And uh, a stark reminder of how dangerous it can be to stand on a big league mound. Uh, Steve, your, your thoughts on the incident and just, uh, you know, what, what you were feeling watching that replay, which was, you know, pretty tough to watch. You know what? It is pretty scary. And, um, you know, you talk about situations like that and how fast these balls are coming off uh, the bats nowadays. Like they, I mean, they're clocking um these comebackers to a point where it's humanly impossible to react to a situation um i know in the world of softball there has been many debates about face protection for not only pitchers but infielders um and you know you've got to think as the sport progresses whether or not there will be some sort of technology designed um to to per, protect yourself and i mean every sport's gone through this i mean you look at the nfl and the concussion situation and the revamp of the helmets you look at the sport of hockey like craig mctavish was the last guy to not wear a helmet on the ice um and that continues so i mean um you look at all the safety precautions and what sort of things can they develop um so the athlete can perform but at the same time I mean, the injury, not only to the athlete, but also to the organization, because Chris Bass plays an important role in that rotation and really puts a damper on the A's chances. And I'm glad we're talking about the A's chances as opposed to a more serious injury to the player. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it was scary. I, I was obviously, I, I love C Bass. He's, you know, one of the, one of the good guys in the game obviously saw the outpouring of support on social media. And he's, he's a great story too, uh, you know, just in the sport, he's a guy that grinded uh, came over obviously in that trade with the white Sox, the Jeff Samarja trade. Um, and he kind of had to correct himself a little bit to be able to become an elite pitcher, which he is now he is the A's best player. And you're right, Steve, unfortunately, um, and I feel a little better talking about this, like you said, because we know that Chris is okay. This really, really impacts my Oakland Athletics' chances of making the playoffs. Now they still hold, as we record this, the first wild card. But the Yankees have caught them and Boston, and they're equal on wins. Um, without their best pitcher, this is going to be tough for Oakland, who has arguably the toughest schedule of any team trying to make the playoffs going down the stretch. They're going to see the White Sox again. They've got the Yankees. They've got the Astros for seven games to end the year. Um, this is tough, but mainly it's good that that Chris yeah. is okay. Uh, go ahead, Clarky. No, I was just going to say, like, I remember back 
I think it was seven or eight years ago, there was a Padres pitcher. I think his name was Alex Torres, who yep. wore a big cap that protected his head. It wouldn't have protected him in this instance because it hit him in the face, but it's scary. Uh, you know, Steve, Steve and I have been around the softball uh, a long time and I've seen it. I've seen the comebackers right to the pitchers. And I always encouraged my pitchers when I coached and the infielders to wear protection. Like, don't worry about, cause they were, you know, always embarrassed that they would look different. Um, you know, and then there, I, I, I loved, there was a picture. I can't remember her name with team Canada in the Olympics who wore face protection. And it's like, yes, that's what we need. We need more of that to encourage and, and to, uh, for the younger girls playing the game and boys as well, looking up to someone who's in the Olympics wearing a face protector. So it's well, a scary it's, situation. It's interesting because you look at all the offensive players, Clarky, who come up to the plate. And they've got shin pads and elbow yeah. pads and wrist guards and finger guards and ear yeah. guards. And even when the coaches go out in the field, you know, coach was struck in the head with a line drive, automatic mandatory helmets for the coaches in the, in the box. Yeah. That ball is coming off the bat faster than what mm -hmm. the pitcher is throwing it in at. Right. So, you know, where's the tipping point where, you know, and, and yes, maybe you're not talking a great percentage of players that are affected and it happens once every seven years, I don't, you know, don't have the statistics, but one should be enough. I mean, we, we should be able to develop some sort of technology yeah. to help protect. Um, Unfortunately, it usually, you know, it, it's it, until the pitcher doesn't get up is when they're, they'll, uh, you know, not mandate something like that, which is the sad case. So, yeah, yes. Yeah. It, it hurts. You're right. You know, you do have to relate it back to the team and, and the playoff race and everything else. And, you know, the Jays are sucking right now in Oakland. It, it looks, you know, it doesn't look good. Yeah. It's, it's tough for them. Right. <laughs> I mean, like it's, it is like, it's, it, true. It, it's just the, it's just the bare bones of it. Isn't it? Like the, the fact of the matter is they have a really tough schedule. Like we mentioned last week, like we're going to go see uh, my Oakland A's play the Jays in Toronto on September yeah. 5th. I can't and, wait. And, and we this, thought that was going to be a big game. Yeah. Now, I, and now, now I hadn't like it. I, well, right. Cause I hadn't looked forward. I, I thought uh, just in my initial math that I'm, we might've seen Seabass which definitely won't happen now. Um, but, and to be fair to Oakland, they still have a good pitching staff. Uh, nobody that you would say is elite, but Shamanai is still there. Frankie Montas isn't going anywhere. We hope. Um, but let's talk about the Jays and another big injury. George Springer, he, he gets a minor ankle sprain the other night against Calling Seattle. A sprain. Now, now, well, that's in addition to the minor ankle sprain. The next day, he's telling the team that his knee's bothering him a little bit, so they send him in for a second MRI, and he's got a minor knee issue now with his left knee on top of the minor ankle sprain. It had sprain. to have happened in the same You would instance, think so. You would think. You would, you would unless think he went, so. like, water skiing or something, but... I doubt it, uh, and that's happened tough, before. Like, yeah, it certainly has. Hey, we've seen hockey players cut their thumb off in snowblowers before, eh, Joe? Um, uh, that's a joke for producer Adam, by the way. Uh, now, we, we've we talked a lot about the Jays. They've had an up-and-down season, sure. We talked last week, like you said, Clarky, with our buddy Rob Longley of the Toronto Sun about how improved their, their rotation is. The bullpen is still 
an issue. And and we're recording this right after the second game against the Washington Nationals, which I don't even know if we should be calling them that. Uh, like, I don't know what their AAA team's name is, but that's what they are. They're a AAA team with Juan Soto on it. Uh, and they beat the crap out of the Blue Jays. The, the Blue Jays surrendered 20 runs to a team that had lost 11 of 12 coming into this game. This is simply unacceptable for the Blue Jays, a team that's aspiring, we thought, to try and get near the playoffs. Um, This, uh, there's a lot of time left, guys, and Clarkie, I'll let you go first, but this, to me, feels like with these back-to-back loss to Washington, it it might be a sign of the end with no Springer. I totally agree with you, Ryan, uh, which doesn't happen often. No, I totally agree. I think they're in deep trouble. Uh, they have to run off a bunch of wins in a row now to uh, to even have a sniff at the playoffs or the uh, wild card. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a product of a young team, but just what we've talked about all year, pitching. Their pitching just isn't where it's got to be at. And we thought they made some improvements and they got hand in the bullpen. They needed an arm and they only got a hand. And I don't know. It's just, it's been very disappointing um, to see them implode. As I said, we talked to Rob Longley last week on the show and things were pretty rosy. They were doing pretty well. Um, But now it, it just can happen so fast in a week, you blow it. And now you have an uphill battle. They have um, a stretch against some teams that are very, very beatable. Uh, when you look at the Orioles, um, Detroit, yep, coming up. But they have seven, seven or eight against the Yankees. Yes, they, they have seven against the Yankees. Yeah. Oakland, they have six against Tampa Bay. Yeah. They play a series against Oakland, and there's just too many teams to catch right now. They're four and a half back of a wild card spot. But they got to chase down the Yankees. They got to chase down Seattle. They got to chase down Boston. Um, Yes, they will have to have an incredible run uh, in order to. uh, It's not impossible, but it's definitely uphill. Very, very uphill. And Mm -hmm. the other thing, too, when you look at the statistics from that second game loss to Washington, it was only a one run game going into the sixth inning. Washington was up 3-2 in the bullpen. The bullpen, exactly. Topped up four runs. If you can't close games or at least hold it close in the middle innings, you have next to no chance uh, to get a wild card spot or into the playoffs. So, uh, and yeah, Springer's injury uh, doesn't help at all. Like, I mean, this guy comes back and ends up American League Player of the Week in consecutive weeks, they just hot, 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 hot. And now he's not there, which is a, a big, a big hit to the offense. When he's so. healthy, he's arguably the best leadoff hitter in the game. And you just look at the numbers, the leadoff homers he hit, first pitch homers that he's hit. Uh, I mean, it's, it since his career started, he's way up at the top of all those lists. He's an unbelievable player. And uh, he leaves a void in defense, too, which, I mean, we know that the Jays aren't exactly a defensive juggernaut by any stretch. You're right. It's not impossible. But with that many teams in front of them now and the Yankees surging, uh, they, they are playing really, really well to their credit. Um, I, I just don't see how it uh, how it falls in their favor here. But if, we've been surprised before. That's why you play the games. If Toronto came out of the Seattle-Washington series at, um, you know, three and two, uh, things would be 
okay, but back-to-back losses to the Nationals. Then you got Detroit for three, and then you go play the White Sox, which, I mean, there's three games where you could possibly get swept. Um, and They're yeah. about to sweep the A's. <laughs> That's like, yeah. And the A's so. are better than the Blue Jays. So, yeah, let me tell you. It's a, and, and Detroit. Uh, by the way, listen live on CKNX to all the Jays games. Um, by the way, Detroit, like they're not a slouch either. They've got a bunch of young pitchers that they're trying to bleed into the league that are, you know, hopefully going to have bright futures for them. But they've got some good hitters in that lineup. Uh, let's not forget about Miguel Cabrera on his chase for 500. He can still pop the ball. And uh, they've got Akil Badu, that young sensation in the outfield. Robbie Grossman, like they've got guys that can hit and hit bad bullpen pitching. So, like, uh, yeah, you're right, guys. The, the Jays have dug themselves a bit of a hole here. Uh, by the way, news dropping earlier today, they have DFA'd Rafael Dolis, so I think that's probably the last we uh, may see of him uh, as a Blue Jays pitcher. I don't and know you if know, he'll like, get claimed. but like, He didn't do it on Wednesday night, but he came darn close to walking in a run with the bases loaded late in the inning, which they did earlier in the week to lose the game. You got to be able to throw a strike. I'm sorry. That just drives me crazy when you get a walk off walk to lose a game. You can't, you got to have a guy who can throw strikes. Absolutely. Uh, Word is as well that this week, Julian Merriweather is going to begin his rehab stint in AAA. Boy, oh boy, could they have used him down the stretch here. He was a freak in April before that unfortunate injury. Uh, He's the guy they got for Donaldson. That's right. The player to be named later. Yeah, and it turned Uh, out, I mean, if he can be healthy, it's going to turn out good. Absolutely. Yeah. And let's hope he is healthy because the Jays, uh, I think everybody is under, you know, the impression that they're loading up for next year and next year better pop, or there's going to be some people that have a lot of questions to answer. Hey, as a good leaf fan once said, there's always next year. There's always <laughs> next year. Some good leaf fan uh, who will remain unnamed. Uh, final note on baseball uh, came out today as we record this uh, reported in the athletic by Ken Rosenthal that baseball is, as we know, The CBA is expiring December 1st, probably going to see another lockout, which sucks, but uh, baseball proposing to the Players Association instituting a mandatory salary floor, which we talked about with Rob Longley last week of $100 million and the other teams that can't reach it themselves would be subsidized by a revenue sharing system with money taken from any team spending over $180 million, which isn't that many teams to be per- that's total budget by the way not si- not 26 uh, man roster i don't think that that will help i think it just needs to be a hard floor regardless these owners are cheap they make me sick and i'm sick and tired of talking about it um so let's move on it'll be interesting to see Aren't how you're going to talk about uh, shake, shake uh, out b- one final baseball thing and i'll let you handle this because it was just an idiotic move but you oh. you can explain it our former tiger and former blue jay Jack Morris. Yes. In hot water. So Jack Morris is the play-by-play voice, or or I believe he's the color Color. voice. It doesn't matter. Of the Detroit Tigers. And he has been for a while. Um, Former big leaguer, like you mentioned, Clarky. And he had a pretty unfortunate uh, instance. Uh, I'll just call it what it was. It was blatantly racist on the air uh, the other night when uh, superstar Shohei Otani was up to bat and he mimicked mimicked doing uh, an Asian accent when he was up at the plate. It was in pretty poor taste, obviously. And um, he, 
you know, gave a flippant apology similar. It was to, an, it wasn't an apology. It, was it wasn't an apology. It was a, he's done. I don't mind, know. He's done. Yeah. And uh, similar to a situation we saw last year with the, with the Reds announcer, I, I'm sure many baseball fans know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not going to dig back into that, but you're right. It was really unfortunate. And you know, Clarky, I, I am a newer fanatic of baseball. I've watched baseball my whole life, but I'm, you guys know I'm a newer fan. I, I'm, I'm loving soaking up the game and Shohei Otani is such a treat for me. I feel so lucky that I fell into loving the game when this guy's been in the league. He is so fun to watch and what he's doing is sickening. I mean, it's unbelievable. We haven't seen this literally since Babe Ruth. Pitching and hitting just as good on both sides of the plate. He's an icon. And this this harkens back to what Stephen A. Smith said a little while ago going into the All-Star game about how, oh, well, we can't have a guy that can't speak English be the face of the game. It's not good for the game, which is which was an asinine comment by Stephen A. Smith, who was forced to apologize. Um, and he's still employed. Uh, but yeah, it's it, it's just unfortunate. We should be celebrating all the diversity and uniqueness in the game of baseball. He is the face of it, uh, along with you know following in the footsteps of greats like Ichiro. Um, it's it's just unfortunate, and we happen to be filming this on on the what would have been the 87th birthday of Roberto Clemente, the first Latino player uh, inducted in the Baseball Hall of Fame, and uh, I'm sure if he was alive right now, seeing some of the stuff that's going on around the sport. He'd uh, he'd be pretty bummed out about it, to be honest. And and I was bummed out with what Jack Morris did, and I I, I don't believe his apology, to be frank. So um, that's all I'll say about that. Let's move on to hockey. NHL. Whoa, 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 whoa! whoa. Okay, move yep. on to hockey yet? We got. We can't talk- move on to hockey. We can't. We got to talk about Mister Joey Votto, a oh. fantastic accomplishment this past week, picking up his two hundred uh, two thousand career hit. Yes, the second Canadian in Major League history to do so. Uh, the other, of course, being former Montreal Expo and Colorado Rocky, uh, Mr. Larry Walker. So, uh, Hall of Famer Larry Hall Walker. Of Famer Larry Walker, right? And Joey Votto is uh, uh, hopefully on his way there. He's he's a shoe in for the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame in St. Mary's, and definitely with his accomplishments, um, uh, can make a, a pitch for Cooperstown, but. I mean, that's great, and he's uh, he's been doing a lot of stuff with the fans there in Cincinnati as well. A lot of uh, images of him talking to the kids and signing some autographs and tipping the cap. So uh, congratulations to Mr. Joy Bottle. One team guy as well. He's been there. He has no desire to leave Cincinnati. He loves it there, and he is one of the most popular athletes in Ohio history for good reason. Etobicoke native. Like that's myself. right. Etobicoke, like myself. Etobicoke, like yeah. like yes. myself. He went to Richview Collegiate. I went to Thistletown. But I want to talk one more thing, Ryan, about baseball. Okay. And I want to take us back to last week, and we talked about the Field of Dreams as we were recording, and what a game that was. However. Oh. Here's a little story, Mr. Sabrin, that I want to share with you. I had a visitor that night watching the game with me, and we couldn't believe that uh, the Yankees tied it up and then went ahead in the top of the ninth inning, and then the, the White Sox get a runner on base. There's, I don't know, I can't remember. I guess there was no one out. And my uh, friend's girlfriend shows up to pick him up, and I go, what are you doing? There's going to be a two-run shot here to win the game. And Mr. Drury says, I'm out of here. He was in his car at the end of my driveway 
when the game ended. And I texted him and he goes, no way. And I go, yep, it happened. So Ryan didn't watch the end of the game. That's all I'm saying. I didn't see it live. I didn't see it live. And I didn't want to be disrespectful of Kate's time. And I thought the game might be over here. It was uh, a crazy, crazy finish. It was, it was such a great game, uh, let alone the Yankees coming back and, and yeah. lighting up Liam Hendricks, the mm-hmm. Australian assassin. Former uh, no one saw that coming. And then... Uh, and then, yeah, Timmy Anderson <laughs> uh, called game. And, That's not uh, the I did story here. The story is you leave. Yeah, I left. I saw it immediately after, and what it, it was a perfect night. Costner coming out of the corn, and the and the players following. It was it was yeah. the best. It was. Steve thought that was a little best. corny, but that's fine. Well, that's just too bad. I thought I it was can't great. believe you left. Why did you leave? Right. I, don't, I, don't know. I know. Wait till the wait till the inning ends because you know. Okay, they get their yeah. or. Or just invite people in and chill for a minute. Yeah. To be fair, I left at the end of the eighth inning. No, no. no. So the inning, yeah. No, the you did not. Over. There was yeah, a runner was on two, base. No, I remember. There was two outs left in the Wrong. eighth. Steve. Hendricks got out of the fake eighth. Fake news. This is all fake news. I left during the commercial break. The ninth inning started. They got a guy on base immediately. I believe it was Andrew Vaughn. Right, and, and then that's Anderson when you left. Yard. I did not leave when Vaughn was on. Okay. I, I have a better memory, and I remember exactly no. what was going on, but I did leave. Fake I missed news. it live. I saw it right away. So here's here's the thing, gentlemen, because Major League Baseball has said that they're going to continue this tradition. Yes. Would you pay to go see a Field of Dreams game? If I had the money, sure, but I don't have $3,000. I would go. There's rumors already that next year it's going to be Red Sox A's because, of course, Kevin Costner takes Terrence Mann, uh, you know, to go see that game in the movie. That would be amazing. If I had the money, yeah, I would go. But They should play uh, more than one game. Make it a series, don't you think? That'd be neat. Yeah, that'd be neat. One game? I don't know. That'd be neat, too. I guess it's like the Winter Classic, but they should. You know, that's not what you do in baseball. Yeah. I like I I you know the, the Sox had to be in there for the first one of course of yes. course and yeah. you know the most storied franchise in baseball the Yankees I think the next best match would be either um, Boston versus the Dodgers or Boston versus the Giants I think those that would be a fantastic interleague game for the cornfield. Yeah, that would be good too. Uh, I mean, if Red you Sox. look at the Dodgers, formerly, of course, both teams, the Dodgers and the Giants, moving from the Brooklyn. East Coast West, yep. Brooklyn and and New York, um, and you know, having the Red Sox as arguably the second most storied franchise in Major League Baseball history, I think that'd be a pretty neat setup. Anyways, yes, I would go, hands down. I think it'd be a fantastic experience. But the price of the ticket, if the ticket was three grand, I'd hate to see this uh, the price of a foot long. Yeah. So you're saying the Jays in Arizona probably will never play there. I probably, doubt it. Yeah. Okay. That'd be a tough sell. Okay. Yeah, I don't I don't know if we're gonna be able to sell old Bobby Manfred on that. We day. have a lot of cornfields around here, guys. Why don't we do one here? Why just don't we start it up? I played in a cornfield in Fullerton. There you go. Let's start it up. Let's just build it. They will come. Yeah, well, That's, what will we call right? it? The field of duds. <laughs> if you build it, they will come. Field of dweebs. We'll get a team. We'll just build yeah. it, and they'll come. The Jays will come. We'll see. 
Um, all right, quickly, we're running out of time. I, I wanted to talk a bit about NFL's right around the corner. CFL, obviously, off to a, a roaring start. It's been a lot of fun to have football back on our televisions, but we're a little tight for time. And next week, we'll have plenty of time to dig into some football talk. But really quickly, NHL, the big news, of course, if you haven't heard, ads are coming to jerseys. I don't like it. Um, I, I, I don't it. like it. Get they're over going it. To be, they're going to be three inches by uh, two inches, I believe. I read in the release. And uh, the teams apparently will be able, much like the helmet decals this year, um, this past season, to choose where they are on the jersey. I don't like it. Hockey's already, sports in general, are already over-commercialized. Yeah, oh, it's more money. It's more money for the teams, blah, blah, blah. The teams have plenty of money. Free agent frenzy this year showed that plenty. Oh, it's going to be tough. We're coming out of a pandemic. They set a record for contracts signed and money doled out in contracts, most of which, probably 90% of which, will not work out for the teams that signed them, but they did it. Oh, we need more money. We're going to sell this on the jerseys. It's stupid. And, you know, and it's not going to, the, the money benefits who? The owners and that's it. Uh, maybe it helps the players a little bit with the hockey related revenue pie sharing, but it's not, I'll tell you who it's not helping the fans because a, I, I could get over it. If I thought maybe this will make Jersey prices or merchandise prices come down a little bit. That's not happening. The jerseys are obscenely expensive already. They're not going to get cheaper. So this is just money for the sake of making the jerseys, the nicest jerseys in sports, in my opinion, look worse. And it doesn't benefit me as a fan. So why should I like this? So here's a question. So if they're putting the advertisement uh, decals or patches on the jerseys for the players, does that translate into the jerseys that you buy at the store as a fan? That's what we don't know yet. Apparently, there were whispers in the release I read that said that so an unnamed source said that team official stores at the ranks would carry the jerseys with the patches if fans wanted the most authentic thing. But on Fanatics, uh, which is the official yeah. merch partner of the NHL, they would leave an option to not have it on there. I can tell you one thing, no matter what your opinion is on this, I will not be buying a jersey. I have plenty already with a McDonald's logo on it. I'm not doing it. Clarky, your thoughts? I don't care to tell you the truth. When I'm watching okay. a game, it's not gonna it's not gonna change the way I watch a game. Um, if it helps uh, put the uh, salary cap up so the Leafs can actually uh, spend some more money, then I'm all for it. I don't care. I really sure. don't care. It's not gonna get crazy. Um, didn't the NBA have it this year? I didn't notice a difference. Like, yeah, there was a logo on the jersey, but uh, I don't know. At the end of the day. I, I, I get over those things pretty easy. It doesn't bother me. Well, that's that's fair. And and you're allowed to feel that way. I, I don't know. I guess Thank call you. me call me old school or something. I, I just uh nothing is sacred anymore. It's I guess. it's been you know what it's it's been a long pressing issue with North American sports because I mean Europe has done this forever. Yeah, uh, yeah. European sports and you know, there's always the purists that said, Well, you know, this and that. But I mean, come on, you see, you see the advertising around the boards, on the ice, around the field, uh, naming yeah. of, of the parks slash arenas. Um, actually, now, I mean, with all the technology superimposing different sponsors, every yep. single inning on, yep. on the backdrop. So, um, I mean, this could be an opportunity for some businesses to get involved that, you know, maybe it was too pricey to do some other sort of advertising. This will 
maybe open the doors for some some other opportunities. But um, I guess we'll have to ha- revisit the discussion if they start trying to rename teams. But, yeah, I'm not having that. I, I'm not cheering for the Honda Washington Capitals. I'm not doing that. The Honda Accord Washington well, they, Capitals. How about, I'm not Toronto, doing that. how about the Toronto Blue Jays? But they already they already did that. You no, know, Labatt's was Labatt's was the first owner of this team, and that's why the name Blue is in their in their own in their name. You knew that, right? Okay, but it wasn't involved really in the logo, and it's not called the no. Toronto Labatt Blue Jays. No. Look at look at look at the uh, Vancouver Canucks. What logo do they have on their jersey? The Orca Bay logo. Like it nothing to do with the Vancouver Canucks. They have their owner's logo on their jersey, which is a it's gotta be the worst. Now, yeah, it's 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 the worst. The the hockey stick was way better. I liked the skate too. Yeah, Pavel Bure flying around. All right. Uh we're out of time. I wish we had more time to talk about this because I could go on forever. Everybody knows I I I love to gripe on the NHL for sure. Fashion faux pas from me. Hey, who's gonna be on the front of the uh, EA sports cover? I'm sure this is big for you. Oh yeah, absolutely. I don't know. They they keep on showing a Ranger player in the promo material. I just assume it's Panarin. So good for him. Look, good. Lucky that for EA Sports, he survived that horrific act of violence from Tom Wilson. And then they signed every goon available on free agent market. Jeff Dolan, you're a loser. Oh, right, I want to watch the first game though. The first Washington Rangers game. I want to watch that one. Yep, I can't wait. I can't wait for the but Reeves will be playing. Like, let's be honest, Reeves won't be playing when it matters. He won't. No, just like he didn't in Game Five of the Stanley Cup Final when he watched Tom Wilson hoist Stanley Cup. Horrific act of violence. All right, we're actually out of time now. When we come <laughs> we back, I'll have thing. a producer Adam chiming in here. We got to finish up a storyline from behind the scenes of a pie that went to a certain Clarkie at one point. Oh, this isn't so old, but okay, fine. So Adam has this. You remember the pie he promised me? Yes, we're back aware when. Yeah. So when the he gives me lost, the pie, yeah. and I, I did a little video, I did a little TikTok on the pie, and he's rolling it here now. If you're watching on Whiteman, you can see it. Um, so it said our condolences next year. Very nice, right? And I, yeah. I've shot this video honestly like this without looking at the pie, without picking the pie up. Then I decided I was, of course, wanting to eat the pie. Uh-huh. So I picked the pie up, and guess what? Funny producer Adam puts under the oh, pie. Oh no! Go Can you believe that? Go. It says "Go have go," and I just covered that up with my leaf mask. So, yeah, funny producer Adam. Uh, you know, I thought he was being funny nice. Producer, Adam. I thought he was being nice to me. Well, but how no, was the pie? Another pie? jab comes my way. The Can pie was probably that? fine, though. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're I a was crusty on the situation. Clint. I ate the oh, whole thing. It was a little flaky. <laughs> Thank you, Sabrin. I was a little flaky, too, to tell you the truth. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, just like, thank just like you to producer round Adam. Uh, all right. Baking the pie. Well, well thank you for making the pie. <laughs> yes, thank you, Jen, for, for the pie. I, I, I'm next when the A's miss the playoffs. I'm just kidding. Uh, all right. Uh, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, I'll chat with Jake Bolamos of CoolBet to get some Good bets in for this weekend. NFL, like I said, it's around the corner. I'm sure we'll hear about some futures bets coming up next here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports.
Welcome back to wrap things up here on MWO Sports, brought to you as always by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury. I am joined by Jake Bolin Moss of CoolBet to talk about some wagers for the weekend. Jake, how you doing, man? Not too bad. Glad to be back. Uh, ready for football season here. Very close. Very close. I'm so excited. My draft's in a week. I cannot wait. I've got the second overall pick, which means, of course, the best player that I draft will get hurt in week two and be out for the entire season, just like last year. But let's have some optimism here. Let's start with a couple futures bets. Uh, I love the first one here. You're in on the Titans. Boy, they look like a formidable team. They're going to be scary this year. Uh, you, you like an overplay here on their wins. Yeah, I'm pushing all my chips in on the table for the Tennessee Titans this season. Uh, their win total right now set at nine and a half. I'm going over on that. Uh, coming off, I believe it was an 11 win season last year in the AFC South, which right now is a bit of a mess. Uh, you have the Colts who have issues with Wentz. We don't know. Is he ever healthy? Uh, the Texans, who we know are a dumpster fire. And the Jags, who just, I don't think are ready yet. Obviously, they got some pieces in the draft. Uh, Urban Myers in there, but I just don't know if the Jags are quite there yet. So you get two games against all those teams, the Colts, the Texans, and the Jags. They also play the Jets this season, who I'll definitely tell you aren't ready yet. Um, they'll see the Pats, the Dolphins. We'll see how those guys look. Obviously, they'll get the Bills. That'll be a tough game. They had the Chiefs, tough game. They also get the Steelers, who I'll talk about in a quick second here. Um, I think they can find 10 wins on their schedule, especially with the extra game this season. They got guys returning like Tannehill, Henry, Brown. They got Julio Jones from the Falcons. Um, Lawan should be back after his injury last season, so that will help the offensive line, who uh, looked pretty solid last year. Derrick Henry went for another rushing title. So uh, I think this is a division they can run away with, uh, a weaker division, I'd say, right now. I don't, I'm not sure on the Colts. We'll see what happens there because they were strong last year, but the quarterback issue is it just becomes more of a problem week to week almost they don't know what's going on with Wentz so uh, I like the Titans over nine and a half wins on the season I think that's a slam dunk as well I think they could sweep their division it all depends on Wentz really and uh based on what we've seen uh I think that he probably won't be playing uh very much uh so we'll see you mentioned the Steelers Steelers Nation not going to be happy with your next prop uh you have them under on a win total and uh it might surprise some people but hey Big Ben's not getting any younger. What's the play here? Yeah, Big Ben, 39 years old, I believe now. Uh, under eight and a half wins on the season. And I'm going against a big trend here. Mike Tomlin, uh, I think, has like 14 straight seasons with an above 500 record. Eight wins would only get them to eight and nine on a 17-game schedule. So that would be like the first season in 14 or 15 years, uh, or however long he's, he's done it, where he, they would be under 500. But you're talking about a tough division. The Browns showed last year. They are the real deal. They have some strong pieces. They picked up Clowney, who, if he can kind of have a little resurgence here with the Browns, that'd be huge. They have Miles Garrett on the other side. Um, so you look at guys like that. They bolster the defense. They have a strong offense. I do believe in Baker. I know not everyone does. Um, but And that run game is super good. Uh, last season, it was really good. It'll be really good again this year. And then you have the Ravens as well. They've been like 10 wins for however long. Lamar Jackson has one of the best records as a quarterback over the last three seasons. Um, so you got to play those. That's four games right there against tough opponents. And it doesn't get much easier for them. Like I said, they're going to have to play the Titans. Um, and there's just a lot. They have the projected hardest game, hardest schedule in the league right now as records from last year. Um, and I just think it's going to be hard for them to find nine wins 
on the schedule. So I have them going under eight and a half wins. Uh, sorry, Steelers Nation, but I think you're getting closer to a rebuild than you are to a Super Bowl. It's an extremely sound argument, and I agree with every point you made. It is not going to be easy, and hey, the Browns are here, and they showed last year they're for real. The dog pound's going to be going crazy if they win a division title. One more here, uh, Argos, first home game of the season coming up here on the weekend, and you've got a prop on them that you like as well. Yeah, Saturday, 4 p.m., Argos. I'm going to take them on the spread, plus five. Um, they ju- they're just coming off a loss to Winnipeg, actually, who they'll be playing again. Uh, I believe they lost 20 to seven. So 13 point loss. I was on them in Winnipeg. I think they're about a touchdown dog. So obviously lost that one, but I think coming home, they're going to go to our buckle here, try something different from Bethel Thompson last week. They really couldn't get the offense going. Uh, and Winnipeg has been a strong team, but this is kind of a super Homer pick by me. I said that to you uh, before the show. Uh, I'm taking the Argos plus five back home. Hopefully they can get a bit of an, a crowd there. They've struggled to get a crowd at BMO field, but, Hopefully they can get a bit of a crowd there, get the crowd behind them, and keep it close. Maybe do a uh, maybe do a field goal or maybe a last second drive. They'll maybe win a game. So we'll see what happens. Winnipeg, great team, uh, but I'll take the Argos as the home dog. Hard to bet against a home dog. It's hard to bet against a home dog. You know what they say? Home is where the heart is. Hopefully it's where the money is for the Argos this weekend for Mr. Jake Bull and Moss of Cool Bet, our wagering expert this week. We appreciate it as always, my friend. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks so much. All right, guys, remember, Friday nights, you can catch this show on CKNX AM 920 and CKNX.ca at 6 p.m. This week, it's immediately followed by the Blue Jays. Remember, Friday nights at 9, we debut on our YouTube channel. You can also watch Friday nights at 8, Sunday nights at 9 with our friends on Whiteman TV. Find the podcast on all the best podcast networks. Follow us on social media at MWO underscore sports. For myself, Ryan Drury, Steve Sabrin, Clarkie, our guest this week, Steve Fitzsimmons from Hanover Raceway, and of course, Jake Bolin Moss from CoolBet. We appreciate you listening to and watching MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. 